What is the secret of Soylent Green? New York City, in the year 2022. Nothing runs anymore. Nothing works. But the people are the same. And the people will do anything to get what they need. This is the police. What they need most is Soylent Green. 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 The emergency destruct system is now activated. The ship will detonate in T minus. Will detonate in T minus ten seconds. Nine, eight, seven, six, six, five, three, two, one. Greetings and welcome to The Escape Pod. I'm one of your hosts. My name is Ryan. I'm Nathan. Hello, Nathan. How are you? Hi. I'm good. I'm in Tucson. Oh, cool. Uh, in your mind. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm currently viewing uh, Pennsylvania on my brain hollow emitter here in The Escape Pod. Oh, yeah. I'm going to upgrade to one of those. It's pretty cool. Except it also like affects your body, so I, I sweat about three pounds worth of water out of, out of myself today. Oh, yeah. It's a little humid out here, just like in the movie we're going to talk about today. <laughs> How is that? <laughs> There's a lot of lot of sweating. Just got right to it. Yeah, there is a lot of sweating. And uh, what is this film? Uh, 1973's Soylent Green. That's right. Directed by Richard Fleischman. Yeah, based on a short story, Make Room! Make Room! Uh-huh. I, I feel like they got that line in there, too. Did they? I, I it went over my head if, if they did. I I did a little research right after watching it, and I was like, oh. Was that during the riot? No, they, in, they in the uh, the priest. Oh, right. He's like, yeah. we need to make room. But he's all, like, you know, depressed and yeah. tired and exhausted. we got to make more room. That poor guy. You want to get into it? Yeah, yeah, sure. All right, here we go. Charlton Heston, Edward G. Robinson, Chuck Connors, Lee Taylor Young, Brock Peters, Paula Kelly, and Joseph Cotton fight for survival and try to solve the most bizarre riddle ever to face mankind. The search for the secret of Soylent Green. You will find out why Soylent Green means life. You will find out why Soylent Green means death. We've got to stop them! What is the secret of Soylent Green? Please! Had you seen this before? I had not. No. New for you. Okay. Had You had. I had. It had been about maybe almost 20 years since my last viewing of this. I knew the secret. You did know the secret. Okay. Yeah. I, mean, I think everybody knows at this point. but Everyone should. Turns out Charlton Heston has a penis. It's weird. <laughs> <laughs> that was the, the big twist at the end. Soylent Green is made out of penis wait that's terrible i quit uh yeah you'd think that everyone would know what the secret of except when that product came out like just a couple years ago yeah called soylent green i think it's just called soylent oh it's just so okay my mind well my mind immediately you know was right. like wait this has got to be a joke right yeah but so no. i think it was made by kind of like a hacker person 
originally wasn't created as a commercial product. What, what was it? Well, I think it was just somebody at home who wanted to make this sort of soy lentil, whatever, you know, complete meal and a shake, basically, right? I don't know. I've never had it. I've never been compelled to, to use it. But I remember that, like, it was one of these sort of, like, food nutrition hackers on the internet type things. And then it became a product. But they picked Soylent specifically for the fact that it had this, it evoked this, yeah. Oh, okay. Bizarre, really, you know, it's, it's like a marketing idea. Right, right. See, I, I, when I, as soon as I saw it, I was like, well, this has to be referencing that and thought it was a gag and then i realized it was a real product so i was like okay and then so i turned to people near me at the time who were younger and i was like can you believe this and they're just like what do you mean they're just fucking with you because you're an old man i'm cold and there are wolves after me that's gotta be it (laughs) tell i was that was the uh the edward g robinson character yeah i liked him (laughs) uh he was the best love that guy okay wise guy so the movie Starts off with these, uh, it's a really weird beginning to a movie. It is. I wasn't sure. I thought it was one of those, like the beginning of a movie when you're just seeing the production company reel, you know? <laughs> right. Like this is their logo. And it's like this black and, white, black and white footage, like overhead of the studio that sort of like evaporates into a logo or something, but it just kept going and going and uh-huh. I realized... It was like, I was like, well, are we watching Cheers? It was like the beginning of Cheers. It very much was like the beginning of Cheers. It's great, yeah. Just a photo montage. But in it jumped too. It goes from like 19, and they're trying to like set up this idea of overpopulation. So all these, it's just these stock footage of, of humans in city, overcrowded cities. But it goes from like 1930 to 1970, like in a flash. Like it skips the 50s and 60s. Pretty quick, yeah, pretty quick. All the people and all the technology and it. The, the clips start coming faster and faster. We're supposed to get this notion that it's proceeding at an exponential rate. We arrive and it's New York City in 2022. Yeah, next year. Next year. Can't believe it's going to get that bad between now and then, but it might. It seems like it. It's not. We're kind of on that trend. We're, we're directly on course, yeah. Obviously, we get a lot of information, uh, visual information, about how overcrowded the city is. Uh, even even they they tell us that I think it's forty million people living in Manhattan. Is that a lot? I don't know how many. How many live there now? I don't know. It's a good question. Oh, seems like a lot. That's like Mexico City is like that big, though, right? Yeah, probably. But it's also a lot bigger than the island of Manhattan. Yeah. But you know, there's stuff like when Chuck Hessen goes in and out of his apartment. You know, every stairwell is just crowded with people sleeping. Yeah. We get the idea that it's, I mean, the climate catastrophe is full on. Everybody's sweating. At some point in the movie, he even re- he even says specifically, like, global warming, right? I think he does, yeah. Yeah, which was, uh, took me a little bit out of the moment just to have Charlton Heston, this NRA guy, <laughs> talking about <laughs> believing in global warming. How can anything survive in a climate like this? A heat wave all year long. Green. greenhouse effect. Everything, Everything is, is burning, burning up. Yeah, not someone who would probably talk about that now. No. Wait, is he dead yet? Yeah. No, oh, that's a relief. <laughs> Though I liked him in this movie. Gotta yeah. say. Oh. Mm. <laughs> well, we'll get to that. We'll get to that I later. I found it hard to embrace him. Mm. Well, that's understandable. We find his, him in his shack, right? I like the shack because it's got like the old TV. Oh, yeah. And like this yellow fridge. But it, like they're... There's brownouts happening. It's him and his dad. We find out it's his dad. You're full of crap. 
Oh, it's his dad? Yeah. No, I don't think it's his dad. I think that's just the guy that's assigned to him and they've become really good friends. And they live together? Yeah, yeah, because where else? Doesn't he say dad? No. Sorry, though. That'd be sweet. I totally think it's his dad. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, it's like his his puttering old man who uh, does research for him. You know, there are 20 million guys out of work in Manhattan alone just waiting for my job. Yours, too. I want to close that case and sign it out. What the hell kind of miracle do you want of me? I'm just an ordinary police book, not the Library of Congress. Heston is a police detective, mm-hmm. doesn't wear a uniform. It looks like no cops really wear uniforms. Yeah, it looks like people just wear whatever, like, tan clothes they can find. Yeah, there's, like, tan and, and like, blue. That's, yeah. like, the only colors. Yeah, totally. And this, this actor is Edward G. Robinson, who is a ultra-famous actor in the 30s and 40s. Um, played a lot of gangster roles. Rocky's a little too smart for you. Yeah, a little too smart. Yeah, yeah. You know, he was getting blacklisted for being a part of the Communist Party in the 50s. And then he uh, he turned snitch. But they were going to take everything away from him. Like, it's he felt really bad about it. He, and he said he was duped into being a communist by Dalton Trumbo and the other writers. Hmm. And so he, he got out of being... Uh, blacklisted and uh, he felt he felt really bad about it and didn't do anything for a while and then he came came back and did a couple things toward the end also something else with with chuck heston like uh, uh the the moses movie what was that called the ten commandments yeah that one that's what moses did oh he was in the ten commandments right he was one of the egyptians like the slave master yeah i think so yeah i'm a, kind of a fan of Ten Commandments. It's a terrible movie, but I think I watched it so many times as a kid on cable. Uh huh. <laughs> Brings back real warm memories, huh? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's, just, it's so long. Like if you could convince your parents to watch it, you know, with the commercial breaks, it was like you know seven hours of television. <laughs> Is that one of those Thanksgiving Day like marathon movies? <laughs> I don't know. I'm not sure. Around here, people always watch uh, or listen to Alice's Alice's Restaurant. Right. Yeah. And then I used to know people in Tucson who would watch um, The Last Waltz every Thanksgiving. Yeah, right. That's a that's a Thanksgiving one, too. Yeah, I've got friends that do both. I mean, they're all, all the hippies. You got Alice's Restaurant and The Last Waltz sort of vying for the same community of hippies. But I think you're right there. We we do MST3K. Oh, cool. I think whatever channel used to carry that, I don't know if it's a sci-fi network or what they were on before. Oh, yeah, that's right. They always did Turkey Day marathons, and they would have their own little bits and things. That's right. Cool stuff. Most of us think that these people were really free. But they were just stupid. they were restricted in many ways. The Ever G. Robinson's character's name is Soul. He's a real cranky old fart in a really lovable way. Margarine's turned. Son of a bitch. I thought he was way less cranky than Charlton Heston's character. I think so. He's like, well, he's like the old man, playful, cranky. All right. And he's always going on about the old days. Tasteless, orderless crud. You don't know any better. Right. He makes it obvious that Charlton has never seen like real food. Yeah. A lot is made of that. Yeah. Like a real nature setting. Uh, The world's been ruined for his whole life. Yeah. He's never seen a thing, basically, besides the dusty walls of new york city polluted the soil decimated plant and animal life why in my day you could buy meat anywhere eggs they had real butter 
fresh lettuce in the stores. The other the other thing they set up in this beginning scene in this really crummy shack apartment that they share is that uh like they're worried about their jobs. Yeah, they're very lucky to have a place to live and to have a job. Yeah, they're just like one one mistake away from like yeah, living on the stairs. Exactly. And part of this job is there's these cases out there that you know, it seems like you get a bonus or something if you solve the case or bring the guy in. And he's got him working on a couple things, and he's like, ah, I can't, Soul's like, I can't find any information yet, and and um, so they're kind of bummed out, because Charlton Heston doesn't want to go back on riot control duty. Yeah, that's the that's the demotion. Oh, yeah, and like you said, there's like brownouts all the time, and they have a little bicycle that they... Yeah, they can power their one light bulb. Yeah. <laughs> so then we get the flip side of this, right? We then cut to the, the rich person's house, and we have this woman playing uh, like a stand-up arcade game and it's basically yeah it says computer space but it looks like asteroids to me it really does it looks like proto asteroids pretty cool console yeah i guess this would have been before that came out came out i assume they just repurposed an asteroids machine but they couldn't have no i don't think they had that yet right i don't think so either i'm gonna look it up they just this is like from the era of pinball machines yeah, definitely pinball machines. I don't think there were any arcade uh, video arcades yet in 73. Okay. Yeah, 79. Oh, wow. So, yeah. Very predictive, Soylent Green. Yeah. Still on track. So, right. She's playing her video game. Yeah, so these are the haves, and we, we just saw the have-nots, and uh, she's just wearing, like, a silk nightgown type thing, and she's very excited to have this arcade machine, and thanks the this guy who's in in the room with her for like buying it for her. and I think she says something along the lines of like this will be great because sometimes I get real bored when I'm here by myself like she says something to make it seem like yeah she's here a lot and yeah maybe she never leaves right and she's with an older gentleman we find out his name is Simonson I believe yeah I don't know Mr Simonson he doesn't last too long no he sure doesn't uh but they they talk and he seems like he treats her pretty good. We don't exactly know what their relationship is yet, but uh, it just seems like she's a, a, a trophy, younger, very beautiful, and he's obviously a man in his late 60s or mid-60s or something. Very, very wealthy, so she figures she's got a pretty good deal in this world. And her and the bodyguard go out for sundries, basically. Yeah, they go shopping. They go shopping, and it's a very black market feel, more because it's secure, I guess. Everything's behind bars and fence and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, what did she ask for? Strawberries? She asked, she asks for something that he has to then unlock a cage. Oh, he pulls out a couple things that they ordered. Or I guess you get whatever that he's got. Right. And there's like a really wilted stick of celery. Yeah. Like half a head of lettuce, a couple tomatoes, apples or something. And then, and he's like, oh, that'd be like $249 for these couple pieces of produce. They call them D's. That makes it 279 D's and 15 cents. Slang. Street, street talk. Yeah. These vegetables. <laughs> and she kind of gives him the like, hey, uh, did you get anything else? And he's like, oh, yes, I haven't forgotten your order. Check this out. And he opens up, yeah, a locker, and there's like a disgusting looking uh, limp piece of beef hanging on the hook. Right. And uh, everyone gasps. Look. Beef, Miss Cheryl. Beef like you've never seen before. And Charlton and Dad had just talked about how, like, nobody had seen meat in years. Yeah, Soul was like, we used to have meat a couple times a week. And eggs. He really likes talking about food. <laughs> this meat's pretty exciting. She buys it. There's a, there's a little scene where um, 
just some random guy we hadn't seen before, but he's wearing one of the people in tan suits, but he's got aviators on. So we know that he's a bad guy. And he goes into like a, one of the poor areas and hands a guy like a, like a cat's paw for pulling nails. Right. With an extender on it, basically. And he's like, okay, gives this guy a job. And we find out what that job is, is this guy uses that to punch some holes into like the walls of the cement culvert that separate the poor part of town from the rich part of town up and scurries into this fancy apartment building that we were just in. Yep. There's the, uh, asteroid machine. And he has a conversation actually with the old man who's there by himself now. And it's clear that the the person sent to do the job doesn't really understand anything about it and really doesn't understand morality. Uh, they told me to, uh, to say that they were sorry, but that you had become unreliable. They're right. Uh, it's kind of a curious conversation because the old man's basically like, I know why you're here. And the, the guy... It's to kill him. Yeah, it's to kill him. And the, basically the sort of teenager who was given this task, he's like, is this, is this wrong? Or is it right? Is it wrong? And he's like, well, it's not right, but it's necessary. Then uh, this is right? No, not right. Necessary. I've become unreliable. Shrugs his shoulders and is like, okay. Hacks him in the back. <laughs> and all this red paint comes out. Yeah. It's full of red paint. Yeah. Really thick red paint. Yeah. <laughs> A lot of viscosity. Very much so. Inspector... Thorne, who is the Charlton Heston character. Detective Thorne, 14th Precinct. He gets called for this assignment to check out a murder. So he's got his scarf on. Mm -hmm. He shows up, knocks on the door. Yep. And uh, meets uh, meets the young lady whose name is Cheryl, or Cheryl. There's some, there's some cops there already. It's a normal crime scene. So that's one thing about this movie is I feel like by this point, it's pretty clear this is not a science fiction movie. Yeah, it's more of a police procedural. <laughs> yeah, it's just like, I mean, just, yeah, exactly. That's exactly right. That just takes place in a horrible dystopian future. Yeah, just because it's dystopian. You know, like, you get these, I don't know, there's just a series of male sci-fi writers that just love to use the dystopian future as an excuse to sort of create, like, the, I don't know, like, the blue pill world that they want they want hookers and uh-huh. and you know easy sex and might makes right and yeah they're like this is what i've been prepping for and i don't know <laughs> like, uh who's the scientology guy Aaron hubbard yeah like his stuff is like that you're just like it's just like oh you just because you put it in the future doesn't mean we can't tell that you're some kind of moralist pervert yeah <laughs> You want to know what I think? Yes. I think there's some kind of deviated prevert. I just, it, just, it, it just seems real juvenile. And Well, that's exactly what Gene Siskel said. <laughs> Wait, Gene Siskel? <laughs> is that the one I like or not? Gene Siskel. Uh, he, he's the tall, thin one. He's the grouchier one. Yeah. He doesn't like anything. <laughs> he doesn't. <laughs> uh, maybe that's why he had a heart attack so young. <laughs> uh, maybe, I'll, maybe I should start liking more movies. Yeah, there you go. Cheer up, buddy. Okay. <laughs> Gee, it doesn't look like a good no, time to no, me. No, there's nothing on the page, and it doesn't go to the screen. So okay. everybody gets okay. a little spanking for that film. So he, Heston shows up, and we get one line of dialogue that, that explains, and we hear more about it later, that uh, Cheryl is furniture. Yeah. 
and you can you can immediately realize what that means. Right. She's just yeah. She's the sex toy of the that comes with the apartment. Yeah, and he asks her. He's like, "Are you building or are you something else?" And she's like, "I'm with the building." Right. Furniture. Yes. Simonsons. Personal or building. Building. And we even find out that she's got to wait to find out if the next, because now that the person that had this apartment is now dead on the ground, she's got to wait to see who comes next and if they want her or not. Right, because then she'll have to find somewhere else to go be furniture, I guess. I like that Charlton Hessen asked the bodyguard uh, about the the dead man, about Simonson, what his, what his occupation was, and the bodyguard says, Rich. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like, all right, fair enough. Do you recognize this this bodyguard? Uh, yeah, I do. Um, Chuck Connors. Yeah, he's been in so much stuff. I saw him and I immediately disliked him because he always plays like a bad dude, right? Well, no, well maybe, but I immediately disliked him because he's the lead in The Rifleman. The Rifleman, which is just a really, really terrible cowboy tv show it's like him and a kid and it's so annoying and whenever it would come on i would just yeah i just think oh god this is you know like when you're a kid you'll watch anything but that was so bad even i couldn't watch it so i saw him and i was like oh god i do not like this guy i couldn't figure out why but then i remembered yeah just because i hated one tv show that he was in but i did end up liking chuck connors in this role yeah I i liked him too i was a bat masterson fan oh were you now yeah if we're gonna talk about 60s uh western tv shows did you ever watch that i don't think i did what was that uh was that the name of the show yeah i think bat masterson was the name of the show he had a cane and like a fancy hat he kicked ass no i never saw that yeah huh well i guess i'm gonna know what i'm gonna do this weekend <laughs> yeah binge bat masterson <laughs> i'm gonna be really disappointed when there's no like bat cave or yeah Bat coach. It's a weird crossover episode. To the bat form, right? Charlton Heston asks the bodyguard if he can write. Yeah, right. And the guy's like, yeah. She's like, good. Go fuck off and write me a report. Yeah, so this in this scene, Charlton Heston is like acting real sleazy. Yeah, I know. I was like getting, it was making me worried. Yeah, like he's sweating like crazy. And he's just touching whatever he wants. Yeah. You can tell that like he's like never touched like really fine fabric. He's like crushing pillows in his hands and stuff. Yeah, is it that, I mean, I, I like that part of this. It's but, cool. But I it, none nothing that he's doing in this scene makes me like this character. No, no, but it, he does a really good job of selling. Yeah. That this person has never experienced these luxuries before. It, it becomes very clear that he's going to steal stuff. Oh yeah. You know, he's like, he asks for a bottle of liquor. Get me some booze. And gets it. No, I don't think that's within your jurisdiction. Relax. You're not working for him anymore. Your contract's been canceled. Yeah, he like looks through the fridge or whatever and gets some food. And then he washes his hands and you can tell like that is a sort of euphoric experience for him to use like real soap and to wash his face and his hands. Yeah, he was just, he's like orgasmic about it. Yes! Yeah, he's like very dirty. Like, not just sweaty, but he's, like, everybody's filthy. Everybody's filthy, yeah. Except for the rich people. Right. Everyone else is on water ration. And he eventually gets a pillowcase out of the bedroom and just, like, stuffs it full of stuff. Yeah. He's a cop. And then, as in now, there's not a lot you can do when a cop wants to do something. Right. Well, then even, like, the people that come in to grab the body, they say something like, same same deal as usual. And he's like, yeah, same deal. Like, clearly, like, there's always goods and and 
you know, favors being handed back and forth between them. And then when Charlton, like, talks to his, like, the police chief, like, same thing. Like, the police chief is even, like, you know, what was the split or something? Like, he right, says something that makes cut? it. Yeah, right. So, everybody's in on it. That's how business is done. And the guys that come for the body are basically, they're waste removal people. Right. They put the body in a big trash truck. Yeah, I was having flashbacks to um, Invasion of the Body Snatchers with how many trash trucks there, there were. were in this. There were a lot of trash trucks <laughs> in this also, yeah. It's a raptor. These are like pretty white trash trucks, painted white. Trash truck technology is one of those things that really hasn't evolved. Yeah, the only difference between uh, these ones and the ones we have in our current reality is that ours have the, the big robot arm on them. Right, that's like it. But they visually, they basically look the same. Whereas like CRTs and things really make something look unrealistic. The 1970s trash trucks has probably be able to fit in any any era of sci-fi. He hitches a ride with the uh, waste removal people. Hey Wagner, give me a lift home. And they drop him off back in whatever part of Brooklyn he lives in or whatever, and gets the uh, magic bag of goodies, brings it up to the old man, and he's just over the moon. And I love how everyone takes that drink of the bourbon. Simonson was a great man. Lechaim. Yes! You know, it burns so good. Yeah, it seems like it would be it would be really hard to take that big of a swig for the first time ever in your life. Oh, yeah, sure. For the first time in like 50 years. I mean, I guess they probably have... Uh, We've got hooch, right? Yeah, actually, maybe it's even easier. Like, that stuff probably feels like nothing compared to the... It's so smooth in comparison. Yeah, that's true. They're prob- <laughs> their, their throats are like <laughs> ironclad. What the hell? Saul gets depressed again and kind of says something about how he should have gone home a long time ago. And we don't really know what that means yet, but Heston's like, no, you know, you're doing great. You're doing lousy. He also took some books. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Very important. In my notes, it's just I reference him as dad. Like I, I, I still think it's his dad. There's no way he like found some reference books about soy, like Soylent being like us. Yeah, it's they're the uh, oceanographic studies. Oh yeah, that's right. They're doing because the, if we haven't explained it yet, they kind of eke this information out through uh, throughout that like the primary food source is this stuff called Soylent, and there's different grades of it, and it's collect. It's supposedly it's collected from plankton. These big plankton right. ships. Well, there's Soylent like blue and Soylent yellow and red, and some of it's soy, right? Some of it's yeah, it's like a soy product. And there's like the new one, which is Soylent green, which is a plankton product. A new delicious Soylent green, the miracle food of high energy plankton gathered from the oceans of the world. Because Tuesday is Soylent Green Day, right? So he he has these books that he gives to to Sal. Sal's really excited. Like, he loves the fact that he, he has, like, real reference books. Mm-hmm. Got some new stuff to read. Remember, Tuesday is Soylent Green Day. He goes down to the station, and the, the police chief asks him about basically how the furniture was. And he makes some kind of motion. Hesed makes some kind of motion with his hands, like, describing her breasts, I guess. And says, like grapefruit. And the captain's like, <laughs> you never saw grapefruit. You never saw her. They're so smarmy. Did you recognize the captain? Uh, I recognize him, but I don't know what from. It took me a second, but it's a young Brock Peters. Isn't that Deep Space Nine dad? Yeah, it's Joe Sisko. Now, why would you go and do a stupid thing like that? And that's Admiral Cartwright. I don't know whether to congratulate you or not. That's right. Yeah. Uh, very famous for playing Tom Robinson and um, I almost said One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. God damn it. What's the... With 
Cary Grant as Atticus Finch. To Kill a Mockingbird? Thank you, yeah. Did you see any other Star Trek characters in this? I did indeed. <laughs> I love this game. Dick Van Patten was in this movie. Uh, yeah, I saw him too. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so Chuck's following the bodyguard around because he thinks the bodyguard, if he didn't do it because he wasn't in the room, so he's an alibi, he definitely has got to know what's up because it's just too convenient. Yeah, I, I just, I have a hard time, I guess, knowing what's going on in this movie. Like, I I was watching it and I knew what was going on, but like, on, on retrospect, like, it just sort of goes back and forth between like, he's like, now he's back at the apartment, now he's back at his shack, he suspects something or other, but he's basically just there to like, have sex with the furniture. And like, I don't know, he's not, it doesn't feel like he's really making progress. It's not even a good detective story. I agree. It's really, um, it just kind of drifts from scene to scene. Yeah, they're just like, they're like, don't forget this is the mood of the film. It's like hot and dirty and overcrowded and there's rich and poor. And I was like, yeah, I, I get that. Like I, the, the scene when, you know, he gets back to the shack with the stolen goods and he makes his dad this meal. Like that, that was kind of cool. Like they were like having just tiny bites. of. of this is like a great fr- scene. Fresh food. Yeah. yeah. I like how like the, the old man is, is like really, really into it. You know, he's practically there's tears streaming down his face. Yeah. As he's getting to taste real food again. Like they have a piece, a piece of lettuce. Yeah. Yeah. And some beans. And like they share an apple or maybe they even each get their own full apple. I think they even get their, and he made, he used that beef. He had that beef. He made like a beef stew or something. The old man could cook. Uh, I mean, it looked revolting, but you know. (laughs) Right. But I like how, like this is, this is another little example of, Heston doing a great job with counterpointing like the old man is in seventh heaven and he's very wary of this food. Right. Like he like tries, he's like sort of eating the lettuce and he has a weird look on his face. Like, I don't, is this good? I don't really know. Yeah. He's never had it. Imagine like the indigestion. Oh God. Yeah. His guts. Like, yeah, you don't have the bio and what's that called? Like the bioscape or whatever to eat that kind of stuff. Yeah. He's going to have really bad gas cramps. Yeah, it's a good. It's a good thing it wasn't a bunch of hot dogs. And, oh my god! In corn. Uh, I don't think the old plumbing could handle it. They kind of eat this food and they're talking about it. And Trelton Heston kind of says, "Like, yeah, tell me more about how people were so much better in the old days and stuff." And the old man's like, "Oh, nuts! People were always rotten." <laughs> that wasn't really the point, but it yeah. was a beautiful world. And he kind of breaks down a little bit. He's like, what have we done? <laughs> How do we come to this? Right. Like, as he had forgotten. Yeah, it really brought something back to him, it seems. Brought him out of pure survival mode or something. Poor soul. It's really taking a toll on the old man. I should have gone home long ago. They start getting into it with the information. And Soul learns that uh, some Simon and Simonin? And Simonson. Simonson was on the board of Soylent. Right. Which was like a pretty big revelation for these guys. And he goes, Chuck goes back to talk to the furniture, Cheryl, a little more. And there's like a party going on in there. It's like a used furniture shop. Just my friends. Right. I thought it was an astrology party at first. There's some sort of... Oh yeah, someone's giving a tarot reading. Yeah, reading happening. But then it turns out it's, yeah, all the girls from, you know, all the... All the different apartments have gotten together in the empty apartment to hang out. Before this, we'd found out that Heston was being tailed by somebody. 
and also that we it, we learned that the person who hired the teenager to do the killing was hanging out with the governor. So like by the time Heston gets to this party, yeah, we know that there's definitely there's some shit. Yeah, the high level. Right. He he he's realizing that this goes way up whatever it is. <laughs> he shows up and he's like, "All right, everyone everyone can relax cuz he's a cop, you know." Yeah. But he's clearly like, I don't care about this, but he takes one person's drink. You know, he's like, wow, ice. Ice. <laughs> That's great. Yeah, like, nobody can relax because he's he's doing his smarmy thing again. Like, yeah. he's, like, touching the, the women and, gra- yeah, takes a drink. Takes one cigarette, has a big puff that he doesn't inhale and blows out. Yeah, it's so, it's so creepy. Come on. Like, nobody, nobody cares. <laughs> so funny. Yeah. But basically, you know, he's he's there to have sex with, with Cheryl. Yeah. And ask questions. And it's, I could see this coming. I was getting very nervous. Because I was like, oh, wait, are we going to, is there some kind of like rape or non-consensual sex scene at least in this? Same thing. Yeah, right. But it's like, oh, no. But no, that wasn't it at all. She was just like, yeah, this is what I do. Right. Because this is written by one of these these men, you know, these male sci-fi fantasy people. Yeah, right, right. Like, they're like, yeah. That was like just part of her job. And they're basically like discussing work the whole time. Yeah. He just says like, take off your clothes. And she's like, all right. And then, yeah, then they, they get into it. He's still questioning her and she's telling her a bunch of stuff. And she's like, uh, Simonson, you know, he was just, he was really good to me, first of all. And, you know, he bought me stuff. He didn't ask a lot of me. Uh, and sometimes he would take me places. Like he would take me to church. And as it's like, for church, what the fuck? And so then, yeah, Charlton's like, well, that's unusual. Why would he be doing that? And like, obviously, it's because he's feeling guilty about something. What could he be feeling guilty about? Yeah, because it's very specifically a, a Catholic church where he does confession. What is the secret of Soylent Green? The foppish building superintendent. What was your name again? Charles. Charles what? Just Charles. Perfectly legal. Yeah, foppish. That's good. Also crashes the uh, the furniture party and starts starts wrecking the furniture. Yeah, very unsettling. Who who's the piano player? Liberace, right? Like this is a guy who hmm. probably enjoyed Liberace. Yeah, he had a similar. Uh, he liked he liked his uh, red tailored jacket, like yeah. crazy costume jacket. Mm-hmm. Very like Clockwork Orange looking outfit. Yeah, that too. Yeah. And uh, Hessen doesn't like this, but he doesn't kick his ass, which I thought he was going to do. But instead, he just he just like really threatens the shit out of him. Like, everything's going to be good here, right? Yeah, he'd beat up a couple of the girls, right, before Charlton comes out from like the bedroom. Doing it, yeah. And uh, one of the girls, she won't stop crying. Like, clearly the direction oh, yeah. was, no matter what happens, don't stop crying. Because they're having a conversation, like... She's now, like, in the arms of her friend. Like, minutes have gone by, and the whole time, she's just sobbing. She's wailing, yeah. It's like, give me a break. I was getting worried. Uh, Again, because I thought someone was going to be like, shut up. (laughs) Fortunately, that did not happen. That guy's name is Charlie, and he fucks off. Get the hell out of here. And, uh, And Cheryl wants him to stay. And he's like, no, I got work. And she's like, look. We got hot water in the shower. You can shower as long as you want. We've got food. I'll make you breakfast. And he's totally like, okay, yeah. Yeah, it sounded good. I, I thought if he walks out, that's 
so unbelievable. It would be exactly. It would be totally like, unbelievable. There's like, like no what's, way. This guy's like super moral or something. All of a sudden, right? Like he's not going to yeah. take the all the bonus. Yeah, I'm really busy. <laughs> yeah, really into this investigation right now. Sorry. And they have a good old time. It seems like. Yeah, this really like dumb laughing in the shower scene. Yeah, like, they're they, like it cuts to them like in the shower just laughing. <laughs> it's, just, it's like something at a, it's like something at a, a naked gun. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Soylent Green is made out of raw sewage. I love it. So the next scene is, uh, he's back on the case and he goes to check out the church, and it is just wall to wall people, of course, and he's like stepping on people and finally wrangles uh the priest who is very like checked out to lunch. He's almost zombie like. Yeah. And you definitely re- at first read like, oh, he's super tired. Reed's tired. And he's the guy who's asking like, what do you need? Do you need space? I'll make more space for you. There's no room. Should I make room? More room. I always got to make more room. There's too many starving people. And he's, he's like, no, you got to tell me about this guy. And he, he snaps to a little bit. And he realizes who he's talking about when he mentions a rich man coming in for confession. And he starts muttering something about a... Uh, uh, you know that what he knows is like is destroying him and he just can't he can't take it this knowledge that he's been burdened with i can't help you forgive me it's destroying me uh but he also doesn't tell him yeah but he definitely knows i thought the, i mean isn't the priest then killed he is but is it right there it might as well be it's the connor's character comes in for a confession pops him right through the screen yeah with a silencer yeah, he's out. Sweet Jesus. So the priest knew something, but now the priest can't say anything. Right. Uh, and also, right in between those two scenes, the uh, police chief, uh, Brock Peters, gets a visit from some high-level capos who basically tell him that the case is closed. Right. And don't worry about this anymore, and we're going to mop it up, which is taking out the priest's number one, and I think taking out Heston is number two. Yeah. He's on the chopping block now, and he gets demoted back to riot control. He's promptly handed a silver football helmet and told to go out into the crowd. Yeah, because they're gonna run out of they're gonna run out of Soylent. Yeah, it's Tuesday. Everyone's there for their Soylent green. Yeah, so the chief is the chief is in on it. You know, it goes all the way to the top. It's just such a predictable. He's not in on it. He just knows that you better listen to what these guys say. He doesn't know the truth though. Well, no, but he was told to squash it from above. Like he knows there's some. He knows there's something corrupt. He, right. You know. Which you got to imagine everyone's used to that. Yeah. Yeah. We get Tuesday at Soylent Green Day. Everyone's out waiting in line and something about the, the supply order fucked up or something. So they run out really quickly and uh, people start start to riot and they bring in the scoops, which is basically bulldozer dump trucks. Right. They're just scooping, literally scooping people up. Yeah. And piles and dumping them into the back. It's such yeah. a crazy image. You must evacuate the area. The scoops are on their way. The scoops are on their way. Yeah, the, the stunt people for this. Yeah, are just like rolling out of the, the big scoops, falling on each other. I mean, I know that the dump truck, like the, I don't know, what what do you call the bowl? Like the dump sure. <laughs> part of the dump the truck? Dump on the truck. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure it was filled with foam. Sure, but, but still. these people are these people are falling 15, 20 feet 
all haphazardly, like all of them together at once. Yeah, you could catch a knee or an elbow real easily in the uh, eye yeah. or something, you know. It looked dangerous. There's like one where one guy kind of hangs, holds on. Uh-huh. You know, everybody <laughs> falls by him. And he's holding on and then he, he lets go and lands on top of everybody. You know, it made me think per our other conversation about the trash trucks. I would love to see like our contemporary garbage trucks that have the robot arms, like pick people up with those. Right. You can just like squeeze them probably. <laughs> Get all yeah. that red paint out. I guess that's what happens when you eat too much Soylent is your blood gets real thick and vibrant. That's got to be it. So amidst all this chaos is an assassination attempt on uh, Chuck Heston. And it, it's the same guy who killed Simonson, the same like kid. Now he's got a little pistol. And it's so crowded, it just keeps like nailing people that are right in front of the Heston character. Yeah. It's crazy. Like one person gets it in the head. Doesn't Heston even, like, grab somebody and pull him in front of him? It's hard to say what happened there, but it may be. (laughs) (laughs) It sure seemed like, yeah, the cops weren't that cared. At least he didn't care that much about, like, who who got killed. No, I think it's really hard for people in this world to really give a shit about each other so much. Yeah. Kind of gets free of the mob, and he's chasing the assassin, and the assassin gets him one in the leg. And then the assassin falls on the ground and gets crushed by the scoop. Yeah, the bucket goes right down on top of him. We get a lot of red paint for that one. So now now Charlton can't figure out who that was, right? There's another lead. Right, another thing's cut off. He can't question that twerp. So he goes to the bodyguard's house next, I think. Yeah, he goes to the bodyguard's house and... What, does he beat the shit out of him? He goes there twice, once when the bodyguard's not there, and the bodyguard's got this girlfriend who's eating, like, strawberries and jam. Oh, yeah. And Charlton Heston's, like, going through the house, or it's an apartment, not a house, like, and makes comments about how, like, you know, it's pretty nice for just a bodyguard. and Who's paying your bills? Yeah, and then steals, like, the spoon with some jam on it to give to Dad. Mm. Strawberries, hmm? 150 bucks a jar of strawberries. Yeah, that's right. But this time, uh, the bodyguard comes in. He's like, I told you to keep this door locked. And Chuck was hiding behind the door. So this is Chuck on Chuck action now. And at first, the bodyguard character, Chuck Connors, is like, I'm not hitting a cop. I know what that means. Right. And he's just kind of taking a whooping. And then uh, Heston hurts the, the woman. And Connors loses his mind. Right. And goes after Heston, and Heston's like, "That could be a, that's a life sentence for you, buddy." Connors is a big guy. Yeah, he's really tall. And so is Charles Heston. Yeah, he's a big guy too. But Chuck Connors has that like squarest jaw. Really is serious lantern. He just looks like he could just demolish even Charlton Heston. And he almost does. Finally, Charlton gets gets the better of him, and he squeezes him for information, doesn't he? No, I have written down. Boring fight gets no answers. Oh, okay. <laughs> Checks out then. <laughs> we move to one of my favorite scenes in the movie. Is this the book? The book place? Yeah. I would have liked more time spent with this. These characters. I know exactly. Soul, Soul, the guy's name is, goes to, aka Dad, aka Dad, and Nathan's version of this movie. The Supreme Exchange is called. Yeah. I don't know what that means. Neither do I. But uh, it's the place where it's like, I think it was formerly the library. So there's just a bunch of olds in there who whose job it is to, you know, they're like the council of elders, basically. He brings them these oceanographic survey books 
from Soylent. Good evening, Mr. Good evening, Your Honor. I assume you have a priority police problem. Yes, Your Honor. It's about uh, William Simonson and uh, these. And they review the information. Does he have two meetings with him or just the one? I think just the one. Yeah, they, they make short work of it. Yeah, it's pretty quick. There's like just a bunch of yeah bookworms, I guess. And they seem to have a lot of knowledge, which is unusual for this world. Yeah, they're the people that still remember the old world. They can read and write and research and think critically. And I guess they talk about the evidence seems clear. It's horrible. You must accept it. About what's going on, but they need to be able to prove it before they can take it to, like, the, the Council of Nations or something, they say. As they're talking about it, he's, he kind of mutters to himself, like, Good God. And the leader of this, this Council of Old is like, What God, Mr. O? Where will we find him? Basically, like, there's clearly no God in this godforsaken place. And he's like, perhaps at home. So did you recognize anybody? Sure did. From Star Trek in this scene? I sure know. did. Damn. <laughs> <laughs> she was immediately familiar. And I was like, what? And her accent, you know, I was like, okay. And this is Celia Lovsky. Yeah. So she was the main, the main librarian person. And she played uh, T'Pol in the TOS episode, uh, a muck time. Yeah, she was a Vulcan. Yeah, she was like the Vulcan high priestess or whatever. I can forgive such a display only once. Yeah, is that the one where like Spock has to fight for a love or something? Yeah, he has to defeat Kirk in single combat. Such a great, yeah. It is great. So good. <laughs> I love it. It was good to see her in something else. Yeah. So what Sol does is he leaves there and he's just, he's had it now that he knows the secret. I think it's the last straw for him. And he goes to this very um, brightly lit, clean looking building in the center of an empty, uh, you know, Broadway Boulevard or something in New York City. Just four lanes and just covered in trash. No one in sight, not a soul, no cars, no nothing. But there's this brightly lit building that he makes his way to in this pretty young person opens the door and all this like cool air blows out. Can I help you, sir? Oh, that feels so good. Feels good. Yes, sir, won't you come in? He gets in line and just like a normal like intake, you know? It's like wait for your number. It's like the DMV basically. But it's like it's like a big art museum kind of feel to the building. It's nice architecture. That's one of the things that this society has decided to spend resources on. Right. And what is the building for? It's for going home. So, yeah, it reminded me of the um, Futurama, like the suicide booths. Oh, did, I don't I don't think I saw that episode. Oh, well, it's just a re- reoccurring thing. But yeah, oh, it's nice. a place it's where it's when you decide to commit suicide, this is where you go. Nice. There you go. Right. Exactly. There's like that TOS one, too, where that society does that. Oh, yeah. They go to like disintegration booths. Right. Oh, yeah. He gets up to the counter and they, they take his name and stuff and they ask him his favorite color. Orange, I guess. What music does he like? And he kind of stops the guy who's writing. He's like, I'm going to get the full 20 minutes, right? Like, oh, yeah, yeah. For sure, buddy. Don't worry. And, and when Charlton Heston gets back to the apartment, he finds a note from Sol that says, going home. Yeah. And so he he busts the ass over to the uh, euthanasia depot. And, and Sol is already in bed and just drank some of the Kool-Aid. Right. He he also specified his favorite music is light classical. 
Yeah, I like that he says classical and he's like, uh, light classical. <laughs> like, he didn't want to be bombarded by Brahms or something at the. Right. <laughs> or I get mean, Carmina Burana. <laughs> I'm having a hard time relaxing uh-huh. here. <laughs> so yeah, uh, the attendants leave and, and just nice orange light comes on. Warm orange light starts to fill the room. He's basking in and he clearly is like delighted by this. Yeah, and there's like this, you know, sort of uh, wraparound video screen. Yeah, it's like an IMAX. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's what I was trying to come up with. And it's, it's just playing some of the, I don't know, the cheesiest landscape like tulips and mountains and and deer there's like deers grazing at sunset yeah it really gives a a panoramic montage of of the way earth was uh, as a young man that i'm sure he i don't know maybe how like (laughs) appalachia was but it doesn't seem to go very far from from just like eastern seaboard america (laughs) yeah yeah (laughs) uh that's where they are yeah no that's that's fair there was like some tropical fish scenes and stuff too Oh, okay. I guess I forgot. Hey, but he and he's enraptured by this. I don't think anybody to d- today would be raptured by this. No, I don't think so. But it, I. But if you lived in that world, I guess you would be. Yeah, if that was like the world you grew up in, and then it was gone. Really, I find that very poignant. Well, but it's even it even strikes Charlton right. So he he comes racing. He wants to try and. Well, we think he wants to try and stop this, right? Like it's too it's too late though. Yeah, like it's his dad. You know, you gotta, you can't let your dad just kill your, kill himself. So he, like, he goes, but is it too late? Because he gets there, the guy's like, he already drank the poison, though. Oh, did he drink poison? Yeah, he drank, okay. he drank from a chalice when they laid down. Well, still, you would expect him to pound on the glass a little and harder. <laughs> but uh, he just, he just watches. He's like, yeah. He, well, he does get like Dick Van Patten's like, so look, man, you, he's like, open it up the window you know dick and Patton's like no i can't do that and hessen like puts him in a headlock and he's like i swear to god you'll be dead before he is if you don't open this window <laughs> the guy's like all right that's, that's pretty good yeah Paul. yes thank you for coming oh dear god i've lived too long no i love you someone I love you so. Yeah, so he gets to view it with him, yeah. and he's seeing this. And uh, yeah, I mean, well, two things. One, Dad says, you know, thanks for coming. Yeah, and uh, like Charlton Heston is like blown away. He's yeah, he's like never he says something it. like, yeah, he's like, you were right. It was. Yeah, yeah. he's like, can you see it? Can you see it? Isn't it beautiful? And Heston's like, how could I ever have imagined? But you have a TV. Do that doesn't doesn't mean it broadcasts anything. Well, they have a TV. They're watching the news at the very beginning. Oh yeah. Doesn't mean it shows like old nature reels. Though you I think that they pretty. should do that. <laughs> yeah. I guess I would just get everybody all antsy. Oh, and... Yeah. Be so pissed. Yeah. You... yeah. Did you see it? Yes. Isn't it beautiful? We oh, yes. And then, so they're talking to each other through a two-way speaker, and they tell each other they love each other, which is very sweet. And he's like, listen, I have to tell you, I have to tell you this. And like the speaker starts going out, 
and Heston gets some headphones in and they do a cool thing where like we can't hear anything that the old man is saying. We just see his lips moving and the classical music through the glass. And Charlton Heston kind of like, you know, he has that face on. It's like, huh? What? And then like the voices come back and he's like, do you understand? And he's like, I understand. Horrible. Silent. Listen to me, Thorn. Thorn, listen. Prove it, thought. The exchange. Prove it. Heston understands and knows what he has to do. He has to prove it. Yeah, but it's real risky for Saul to wait to the very fucking last minute when you, after you drink had poison. Yeah, that really uh, thought I thought that was a bad idea. Like, put this down in the note. Yeah. Like, what if Charlton got. You know, my my takeaway from that was traffic. yeah, 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 or didn't show up at all. Right. Yeah. My my takeaway from that was he was probably so distraught. It, this information has seemed to driven every everyone who knows it mad so far. But it seems like maybe he was so distraught that he figured there was nothing that could be done anyway. And what's the point? And just wandered off. And then when Heston showed up and he had his he was having his emotional experience, he realized that he just had to tell him. Is is kind of what I. How I took it anyway. But you're right. If it was that important, he really should have taken some more precautionary steps to making sure that information went out there. Yeah. I think you're probably right. He probably wasn't going to. He wasn't thinking ahead. Great scene for for Robinson. Yeah. I love him so much in this. And he, like his death mask, you know, his face. Like he does such a good job of like making it look like the life left his body. And, And I don't know if you knew this, but three months later, he was dead. Oh no! Yeah, he had he had terminal bladder cancer, and everyone knew it. This was his last role, and they didn't they expected him to be around for the movie to come out, but he didn't make it. Hmm. So like he got to do a the death scene for himself on screen. Crazy. Well, that makes it all better, I guess. Yeah, makes it all better. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's just it seems it's very poetic. I hope I get to pretend I'm dead before I die. Yeah, we'll do a we'll do a podcast. <laughs> It'll be like, like in Mash, like the fake, the fake funeral. Yeah, oh yeah, huh? it'll it'll be just like that. <laughs> we get to do another Winchester drop. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, cool. I look forward to that. Yeah, it's gonna be a good one. Well, that's what we do before, right before we quit this podcast. We have to die on air. <laughs> oh, they're adorable. Chuck Heston, man. Yeah. Uh, well, so now he knows that. Right, he knows the secret, and he's got to go check it out to be able to prove this secret. He's got a he's got a dead body to follow. Yep the uh, the guys come in, put the corpse in a body bag, and gurney it out to where all the waste 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 disposal trucks are waiting, just filling them up with bodies, and Chuck uh, just rolls into one of those. I wanted to know how they how they made these fake bodies. They look pretty good. Like there's just a bunch of you know bag, big long plastic bags with crap in them. And they're sort of folding in half, but still somewhat rigid, but soft and meaty. Yeah, there's like some of them you can really make out. 
some semblance of a of a human body. Yeah, being like, hidden. You can see like sort of the eye the eye depressions and nose poking out. And it's really creepy. Yeah, I guess I guess they just probably use mannequins or something. I guess it's not. It's probably not that hard to do this, but at least they they put some effort into it. Yeah, it looked good. It was yeah. very disconcerting, and just to see it was you know this is the second kind of one of those scenes. The other one being all the people in the in the the bulldozer scoops, but just like human bodies just being discarded. You know, there's just too many people, and here we have all these just like bodies in white sheets just being hoofed like like cordwood into these trucks. Hoofed. You know what I mean? <laughs> Hoisted? Hefted. 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 That's a good one. <laughs> so yeah, he hitches a ride. Yeah. And they go out to, I guess, the Soylent factory. Which appears to be really like a dam or a power station of some sort. Yeah. He gets out and he slips into the factory. Apparently there's really nobody around. Right. All the security was like at the entrance. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Not a soul in the whole place. Why would you need security inside this facility because you don't let people in. It doesn't even look like anyone's working there. No, it's totally empty. And so he gets to freely wander around, and he fo- he's following the body trail. Yeah, they do a really like a real like I don't know Rube Goldberg, but like it's like it's like now the body's going here, and now he like uh-huh. runs around a corner, and now now it's going up this ramp, uh-huh. now it's falling down here. Yeah, they, it's like we get it. It's great. And they like, they they're dumping him into like a big vat, like a big rendering vat. Yeah, and then all of a sudden. It goes from, like, full-size bodies following those through several stages, and nothing's really happening to them. They're just moving around. Yeah, then they get dumped all into a big pile, into a vat. And then the very next thing we see is, like, little green wafers coming out. Yep. They don't... They're, like, no intermediate stage necessary. That's it, man. Big vat of some kind of metabolic acid or something. Yeah. So then two factory workers... Oh, yeah, yeah. They show up. Like these two totally innocent people are like, hey, 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 now, you know, this is, you get, this is an authorized environment. You can't be here. And he just like shoots them. Fucking like, kills he just these guys. Kills them. Yeah. He like throws <laughs> one guy off of a balcony. All oh, right. He doesn't shoot him. Yeah. He's, yeah. He doesn't have his pistol or he does. He doesn't use it though. Yeah. But he does definitely kill them. Yeah. Kills two, two guys on the way out. And by the time he, he hitches a ride back in one of these trash trucks, the alarm is going off and he, uh, beats feet back to the city and, and uses one of those cool, like police box phones that he used earlier. We didn't mention. Yeah. We, yeah, he did use it earlier and they're like, they have no cord. Yeah. Yeah. He just has like a key that opens a box. And, and then it's just like a handset without a cord, I think, just to make it so he could move around and act more freely, I guess. Mm-hmm. And they're like, hey, this would be like the future, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> it looks just like a phone, but there's no cord. Yeah, cool. Cord- cordless phone. <laughs> uh, yeah, and, and he's getting ambushed. He's calling for help. Calls a chief for help. Yeah, he calls a chief that's like busy. Then he calls his girl. Oh, yeah. Who she'd already found out like the new guy was probably going to take her. Right. But she's like, I want to come live with you. Yeah, for whatever reason, she's like, I want to live with you and your dad and your horrible shack. Yeah. I'm, I, I don't know. She needs to see it before she jumps to that. I, I agree. I think she should She should at least check it out first. Yeah. Yeah. But Give it a walkthrough. The new tenant wanted me. God, stay with him. I want you to stay with him always. Oh, Thorne, I want to live with you. You got a good get thing going. Don't fuck it up, Hannah. Right. And we do get to meet the new guy, and he's a real shit heel. He's like, sometimes I'm here and I want to, I want to have company. And sometimes my business friends are here and I want to be alone. 
and sometimes my business friends are here and we all want company. It's like, yeah. oh no. Ugh. Golfers. Fucking golfers, man. He catches a bunch of bullets during this chase. Charlton Heston does anyway. Like like three or four good ones, it looks like. Not doing good, I'd say. Yeah, I don't remember. He like told the chief the secret, didn't he? Thorn, where the hell have you been? Well, finally, yeah, like he's on a chase and a shootout with the goon squad from the governor's office or whatever. And he makes it into the church where he fights Chuck Connors for a third time. And this time he, he ends up getting like a uh, a dirty old kitchen knife and like stabbing uh, stabbing Connors in the in the spleen basically. A lot of more red paint. Okay, so they're in the church and it's stuffed full of people. He's come in. He's already been shot when he comes in, but then while he's in there, he's being shot out, shot at by more goons. Oh yeah, more innocents are just catching bullets, and nobody's leaving. Yeah, there's a lot of, like, screaming, but no one's really doing anything. You gotta you gotta go outside. you think there'd be, a, like, a riot in there. Yeah. Just get to the door. Nobody, everybody's just sort of sitting around. I guess it's sort of like the priest who was in there. They were just sort of in this morbid, given yeah, up, fugue state. sleepy state. Yeah. yeah. So they're just like, okay. Oh, boy, it's just another crazy night in New York City. Try not to shoot me, please. He gets... Gets Connor with the knife, and then the chief and some police show up. That's when it dro- finally drops. It's made out of weevils. They've got to tell people. Tell them what? The ocean's dying. The plankton's dying. <laughs> it's people. Soylent Green is made out of people. Uh, and they're kind of like, all right, man, whatever. It's hard to tell if the chief believes him or not. Right. And they put him on a stretcher and he starts getting more and more hysterical about it. And we, you know, we just, just, the screen just closes in on his blood drenched hand, freeze frame, screaming about how Soylent Green is people. They're making our food out of people. Next thing they'll be breeding us like cattle for food. You gotta tell them. You gotta tell him. Promise, Tiger. I promise. I'll tell the exchange. You tell everybody. Listen to me, Hatcher. You gotta tell him. Silent Green is people. We gotta stop him somehow. I don't see what the problem with that is. No? <laughs> in this world, it just doesn't seem like... It doesn't seem like... I don't think anybody would have a real problem with it. In this world. They yeah. might not. That's a good point. Everyone is so beyond the pale. I think even in our world, you know, if you got you got the right marketing behind it, the right, you know, conservative talk show host who's like, they don't want you to be able to eat people because of the <laughs> liberal <laughs> conspiracy. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I can see it. I think people have no problem with it. And especially in this overcrowded world, they don't even like they're shooting, they're killing each other and nobody's even concerned about it. Why wouldn't you eat them? That's dark, man. I don't think it's that dark. <laughs> These people don't give a shit about anybody. No, I think you're right about, I think you're right about a certain sect of particularly uh, Western society, particularly American society. 
I'm talking about mainly in the movie, though. Really, my thing is in the movie. I don't believe that these people care enough to not... To really care about that, yeah. To they're have, just not going to be shocked, and, and they'll just keep eating it anyway. To, to still have the human morality to be... To think that that's totally beyond the pale at this point. Yeah. Yeah, I think you're right. I think maybe with this population... I mean, everyone we met really cares that that's the deal. I just don't believe it, though. I think they... Right. I think that's... You think they wouldn't have that humanity anymore? You may be right. Is it really a humanity thing, though, or just a cultural thing? Like, we shouldn't eat people. I get that. <laughs> but, but if you live in, if you live in this you, dystopian future, <laughs> if you live in this dystopian future and you don't care about anything, well, who the, I would just be like, I would be like, oh, okay. Like, I'm, I didn't know that. I didn't know that Soylent Green is people. I'm not terribly shocked. I'm definitely not going to stop eating it. Uh-huh. It's cheap. <laughs> it's what we got, is what you're saying. Yeah. And what I guess I mean by humanity, though, is that when does that, when does that, shift to that level is this the moment in, in that in that society and if it is then soylent just went about it all wrong like i think you're right i think it would be a marketing thing i think you could be like hey things are this bad and we should start doing this uh, but they don't want to let the cat out of the bag that things are that bad and they don't they clearly believe that would be um, morally repugnant to everyone if they knew that it was people. It would have been a lot easier to just several years earlier just start the marketing. Right. Get, just, get ready. Start introducing this idea and no, there's not going to be any big response, ne- negative response to this. Like if it was a, uh, if you were culling the living, you know, that would be a very much bigger problem, right? Yeah. I think that's what they did at the riot though. <laughs> uh, yeah. I'm pretty sure that's what happened to those people <laughs> in the scoops. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, Nathan, did you like this movie? What is the secret? Uh, no, no, big no. <laughs> no, no. I don't think it. I don't think it counts as sci-fi. Mm. I don't like the character. Like, I wasn't that interested in following that character. I didn't think. I didn't think the detective story was interesting. I liked, you know, like always. I love seeing rotary dial telephones. Uh huh. Uh-huh. So that's cool. In that cool video game. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's impressive now Now that I kind of know the, the year when that happened. Yeah, that is pretty cool. Because uh, that computer that generated that in 1972 probably was not in that large upright box. Oh, no, right. That was like just the monitor or something. Yeah. That would have had to have been off, off Behind stage. Behind the wall, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, it made me kind of want to read the book. Yeah. Not not sure how much. That, that probably won't happen either. Yeah, I doubt it. I, I, want, I wanted to escape it many times. Yeah, how many escape pods do you give it? <laughs> yeah. That's like four or five. Four or five? Four and a half? Yeah, four and a half. Cool. I'd say there was at least four times I was ready to Four escape pods and then like the little escape pod that's inside the escape pod. <laughs> right. <laughs> to escape the escape pod. <laughs> yeah. What about you? How did you feel about it? I did like it. I agree 100% with you that it is not a science fiction movie and a bad detective story to boot. I appreciated the world that they created because all of the problems are problems that we're very potentially still facing in the very near future. And as depressing as that is, and, and it is very depressing, uh, is that how people were thinking of this and knew about some of it, you know, 47 years ago, being like, well, we already know global warming is a thing. And people were talking about it then. And then everyone just shut up about it for a while. That kind of dystopian future is a very real kind of dystopian future. 
There's a population food shortage and the climate catastrophe and people just not being able to do shit or care because of how bad it's gotten. And so I, I appreciated that. Beyond that, I like some of the things. I like the I like the going home bit. I like the suicide room for people um, who just can't do it anymore and they give you a really nice exit. Seems like a nice free service by their uh, their state there. <laughs> Probably the only free service that they get. And uh, I did like a... Edward G. Robinson a lot in his last role. I thought he was great. Very enjoyable. Yeah, he was he was really good in it. Every time he was on screen, I was paying attention. Yeah, he was such a delight. And I really think that he lifted up Charlton Heston's acting. Totally. Absolutely, yeah. I think that's why I liked him in this movie. Because he had yeah, Edward Wright G. Robinson to act off of. Yeah, I agree. And really gave him something. But um, I, I definitely can't give it zero escape pods. Um, I'm going to give it two and a half. It's more than I thought you'd do. Right in the middle. I, for some reason, I have a fondness for this movie. I think it's because of the concepts. Yeah. It might be it. I guess I like the concept of... of uh, Eating people, apparently. De- death. <laughs> yeah. Death with dignity. Old cannibal handler is what we called him. <laughs> <laughs> would you... I mean, would you really be that upset if somebody ate your body after you died? No, I think I'd be fine with it. Yeah, I'd, I'd be okay with it. I think I would want the choice, though. <laughs> or... <laughs> You want the choice on whether or not you're eating somebody else's dead body. Yeah, more so than anything else, I think. <laughs> yeah, I, I also want that choice. Yeah. <laughs> so there you have it, folks. 1973's Soylent Green. And now comes the part in our program when we decide what we're going to watch. The Running Man, 1987. Looks like next time... We are going to review 1987's The Running Man, starring the one and only Arnold Schwarzenegger. Arnold! He's back, baby. I'm really looking forward to that. Yeah. I've been eyeing that one. Have you seen this movie before? I have seen it at least a few times. Yeah. But it's been at least... 20 years. Wow. I think I've seen it more recently than that. I've been eyeing this movie in our database ever since we did Total Recall. So I'm, I'm pretty excited about it. I don't, I remember some, but I don't remember it as good as Total Recall. So I'm excited. Really? Yeah. I, re- I remember everything about Running Man. <laughs> All right. <laughs> <laughs> it's such a good movie. You get a pre-review from Nathan. Okay, then. That's going to be it for us for this episode in the Escape Pod. As always, we like to thank you, the listener, and all of our listeners for uh, joining us here. You can follow us on Instagram at Sci-Fi Escape Pod. That's what that's called. You can email us. What's that address? Sci-Fi Escape Pod at gmail.com. Sci-Fi underscore Escape Pod on Instagram and on Facebook. We'd like to thank Golden Boots for our original theme music. You've been listening to The Escape Pod with the exclamation point that's right the one with the exclamation point and the new episodes are released every other wednesday hit subscribe hit five stars and probably the best thing you can do is tell a friend you think would enjoy this show pass it on all right all right thanks ryan that was fun that was good time we'll see you here next time folks in our escape pod <laughs>